the song of Moses and Miriam. Then Moses and B'nai Israel sang this song to Adonai. I will sing to Adonai, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. Adonai is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will glorify him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. Adonai is a warrior. Adonai is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea, and his chosen captains, captains have sunk into the sea of the reeds. The deeps cover them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Adonai, is glorious in power. Your right hand, Adonai, dashes the enemy to pieces. In the greatness of your excellency, you overthrow those who resist you. You send forth your wrath. It consumes them as stubble. With the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The flood stood upright as a heap. The deeps became firm ground in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil, my lust shall gorge on them. I will draw my sword, my hand will destroy them. You blew with your wind, the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, Adonai, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, awesome in praises, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. So everybody braved the elements to get here today. Good to see everyone. Um, this is uh, our, as, as Hadassah said, our culmination. Uh, we celebrated our Passover Seder last week. In the last month or so, the last several weeks, we've been uh, most of the messages, several of the messages at least, there were a couple of breaks in there, but several of the messages were um, from the book of Exodus, looking at kind of the foundation to the, to the Passover story. Um, pretty much we just looked at, at chapter 1 through chapter 6 and looking at some of the details of kind of how things happened and how on the one hand we have this, this victory song that was read today and we have the big victory picture on the one hand. But on the other hand, there's a lot that we don't necessarily always focus on that went into it. And that's what we looked at over these last several weeks. The ups and downs uh, of Moses and his life and how God used him in this whole story. Um, and how, you know, Moses' uh, reluctance uh, initially to be involved. How he was kind of just hanging out in, in the land of Midian. Thinking that his life was going to go a different direction. And uh, his reluctance to then step out on faith, but then when he finally steps out, poof, things blew up at it, blew up in his face in a sense, and it kind of looked like uh, things were going backwards uh, in the story. And so you know, we kind of looked at some of those things and saw how in our lives too we need to be uh, uh, realize that in some times in our lives we are, we're in a place where we are also kind of in a retreated position where we're in our own land of Midian in a sense, um, and where we certainly today, we face pharaohs in a real way. 
uh, the real way that uh, when Pharaoh asked Moses, you know, who is the Lord? I don't know the Lord, and I will not send the people. I mean, we face that very same kind of response. And uh, how Chaim, uh, Rabbi Chaim mentioned last week how over and over <clears throat> the Lord's kind of answer is, Ani Adonai, Ani Adonai. And it's kind of like when I was a kid, I didn't like hearing that one response that a lot of you guys heard when your, your dad or someone told you to do something. But why? Because I said so. And that's sort of that's sort of the that's sort of what Ania Denai is all about. And it's got to be good enough that Ania Denai is a good enough response, kind of like because I'm your father and I said so. Uh, needs to work in that earthly sense. So we we looked at that um, at the story of Moses, sort of at that kind of inspiration uh, for ourselves. And again, then we had our our seder uh, on on this last Shabbat, and you're probably wondering what's going on. I mean, the whole calendar is kind of. Uh, wonky this year. I mean, Easter, in a sense, uh, was weeks ago. It really it was last Sunday after the Passover, and we don't celebrate it the same as kind of the rest of the body of uh, Messiah does, the church, if you will. Um, and so uh, that's why today is, in essence, what we're celebrating, Yom HaTchiyah, um, which uh, is from, from everyone heard L'chaim, to life. You know, that's kind of the word, to life and to life and. So Yom HaTchiyah, the day of the causing to live, Day of Resurrection. That's kind of where where it comes from. Um, so today we read a we read a we read that this this victory song in a sense. It wasn't the whole song of Moses. There were a few other verses there, but in those those twelve verses that were read, you see at least I think it's about eight times. You'll see the, the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. The sacred name of the Lord is contained in there about four more times in the entire song. So a dozen times there. So this is kind of like the definitive statement. Uh, to Moses, the answer really to Moses, to uh, Pharaoh's question uh, back in chapter five of, you know, who is the Lord? I don't know the Lord. Well, he does now, and he he hears that, and this is the statement of of just exactly who is the Lord. And the reason that, that you know I wanted this read today is that when when I read this, when we think about this 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 picture and this whole picture of the Exodus, uh, in a real way, it, to me at least, and hopefully it will to you. It parallels the, the the part of the the biblical story that the resurrection is in, right? Um, the same God, the same power that delivered the Egyptians is the same power, the same God. There's no different God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. The same God, that same God that delivered Egypt in the wilderness and delivered Egypt at the Red Sea here, um, is the same God that raised Yeshua from the dead as well. And it's that same power that's still active and alive today. And, you know, again, with the Exodus, we had a problem, right? There was a problem. Granted, it was a, uh, a problem that God had prophesied and said was going to happen. But nonetheless, there was still a problem that uh, the people, you know, there was a bondage. People were in bondage. There was slavery. Uh, they were crying out to the Lord. Uh, lots of cries and, and, and heartache and so forth of the people. And then God acts, okay? And then it looks like it's going backwards at first when you read uh, in Exodus, how things started off with Moses, you know, he went in there and said, thus saith the Lord, let him out. And Moses said, uh, I mean, Pharaoh said, thus saith I, it ain't going to happen. I mean, things, and then things went backwards. And then Moses is, you know, he's at, at odds with his own people. Uh, he's at odds with God in a sense. And so things kind of blew up in his face, but God continues to act. And he's not necessarily doing it in a way that we would have done it if we wanted to show our power and strength. Uh, well, we're going to get the people out. Let's just deliver them. But God did it a different way. 
And he acted, and then he ended up triumphing. So that's the picture of the Exodus, right? People were crying. There was all this heartache. God acts. Things didn't necessarily look the way that we thought they should have looked, but in the end, God is victorious, and we read the song here. And then it's the same in the time of, of Yeshua, and really in the same, same, same as our time here, but we're going to be talking about really the time of Yeshua because that's where the resurrection, when the resurrection happened. But you've got this you know, same thing. You've got a problem. You've got bondage. You've got, uh, in a real sense, slavery to sin, right? You've got uh, evil resident in the world, horrible things happening then and now. We, we, you know, I mentioned it today. Uh, things are definitely very crazy. So we've got that same picture. A lot of people crying out to the Lord. I know a lot of believers do. And, you know, where is the God and all this kind of stuff? Um, and again, God acts. And he did act. And we're going to talk about what, what happened. I mean, God came in the flesh and was the atoning sacrifice. And boy, that did not look the way that you would expect it to look. That wasn't a big victory kind of thing. And the disciples weren't saying, yay, Yeshua came and he died. Woohoo! You know, that wasn't kind of the picture. They were wondering, what in the world is going on here? This is not at all like we expected it to look. Kind of the same, again, as we see in the Exodus. And maybe we would have done it differently. Maybe they would have done it differently. But then again, we see, and this is what we're talking about today, that um, Yeshua does ultimately triumph. That's the real crux of of what we're going to talk about today. And that is, that leads us to the resurrection, because that is the triumph. That is the, in a sense, the the song of Moses uh, for, you know, I don't want to say for the New Testament time, but it's the song of Moses for us as well today. But that was the, that's sort of the, the, the song of Moses, the triumph, the victory over, uh, over the groaning, the sin, and the evil, and all of that. It's the resurrection, the techiah. And Chaim alluded to it, and it's interesting. What, what hit me is that if you were to go to our website, and just about any website of, of a Messianic congregation, of, of a mainstream Messianic con- congregation, and if you'd like to know what that is, I could tell you, um, uh, but one that's kind of, you know, in the middle. Or any, any you know, if you went to the, this Greenwood Community Church, their, their website, and looked at their doctrinal statement, what we believe is usually what it will say there. Uh, just about every single doctrinal statement you're going to come across, you know, talks about a lot of the same stuff. There's some, some go into more detail in other areas than others, but pretty much any one of them I'd be willing to say is going to have the exact same uh, area that's going to talk about. We believe that, you know, Yeshua or Jesus, whichever you go to, is, you know, came, that God came in the flesh in the person of Yeshua, and he, he died a sacrificial atoning death, and he rose bodily on the third day. The resurrection, it's all there. Um, but interestingly, as Chaim mentioned, and, and I agree with him, is that although that's there, um, it's really that, that message, that piece of doctrine, if you will, is not talked about week in, week out. It's certainly talked about the last you know, three weeks ago. He is risen indeed, and we hear that on that day, and let's go look for Easter eggs and things like that. But that's, you know, that's the time you hear about it once a year, yet it's so paramount, so foundational to our faith and to our beliefs. Um, without it, we're basically toast. Um, and I want to I read something that's about that, about toast. You didn't know there's toast in the Bible, right? Well, here's, we're going to read a bit, little bit about toast. Uh, it was read some today, but if you have your Bible, I'm going to read some things. You can turn there or just listen. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to read a few more verses than were what was read uh, today. Contextually, just so you know, Paul is speaking here in 1 Corinthians 15, and we're going to start in verse 13 of chapter 15. Um, 
the context there, Paul's obviously uh, confronting a, a false belief that some people are saying that resurrection in general is not even a real thing, doesn't exist. And, and incidentally, as Chaim mentioned, um, it's, it's not, this is not some Christian idea, resurrection. You know that? Uh, Chaim mentioned it today. I mean, this is, you know, you, the, 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 the idea of resurrection, okay, mechaye metim in Hebrew, um, is, is mentioned in the daily uh, Amidah, the Shmon Esrei, the, third, the, the benediction about how great God is. Um, it's, it's the exact same uh, things that are mentioned. God's power to resurrect and revive the dead uh, are present in the graveside service. The liturgy of the graveside service. I'll just read to you what it says. This is the English. It says, You are mighty eternally, O Lord. You are the reviver of the dead. You are abundantly able to save. This is right out of the... Actually, I got this out of... Uh, the Madrik, a Hebrew rabbi's, a rabbi's manual. Uh, the one who sustains the living with kindness, who revives the dead, there it is again, with abundant mercy, who supports the fallen, who heals the sick, who releases the confined, and who maintains his faith to those asleep in the dust, dead. Uh, unless you're, maybe you sleep in the dust, I don't know. Uh, who is like you, O master of mighty deeds? Who is comparable to you, O king, who causes death and restores life, and makes salvation sprout, okay? Makes salvation come out, matzliach Yeshua. Um, so anyways, that's from, that's from Jewish liturgy. So here Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 13 is, is talking about, about these folks maybe that didn't believe that the resurrection was a real thing. So you've got to follow Paul. This is one of these windy, twisty Paul things. He says, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, if, there, if you're saying what you guys are saying is true, if there's no resurrection of the dead, well then Messiah is not risen. And if Messiah is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Toast. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Messiah, whom he did not raise up. You have to hear the sarcasm there. If, in fact, the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, well, then Messiah is not risen. And if Messiah is not risen, again, here's the toast part, Again, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Messiah have perished. Then they're gone. Toast, no hope for them ever. I keep saying toast. Tonight you get to have toast, by the way. I don't mean to keep leading you on. That's, that's at sundown, okay? Wait till, wait till sundown. You're burned matzah at this point. So if in this life only we have hope in Messiah... We are of all people the most pitiable. This is just, this is miserable. So, but it says, but, but now Messiah is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So there's the again. This is a paramount. I use the word doctrine, but a paramount belief, a paramount article of your faith, whatever it might be, the, the resurrection. And we can deliberate and argue about all kinds of theological questions all day long. But really, what I want to get across today is that really a lot of things just hinge really on the resurrection. Um, recently, I, I, I purchased a vehicle, right? I purchased a car from this guy. Here's the, what's the chance of this? This is a Jewish guy I bought the car from. And it was really crazy. We found out what I do when I go to, when I go to synagogue and stuff. He, he, just, he was lit up. I mean, this is a guy, he's, he's retired. He studied the, studies the Talmud once a week. He studies the Torah. He's not religious, but he's really into... The, the Torah and the Bible, and he wanted to talk, and just, I mean, we spent hours, I mean hours, probably three hours that day, you know, uh, after buying the car, and 
talking and asking me all kinds of, why don't you call yourself a Christian? And what about this? And what about that? And what about, you know, uh, the, the word in Isaiah 7? It doesn't really mean virgin. And what do you think about that? And what about they didn't name Yeshua, you know, Emmanuel, like it says. And, and so, he, okay, hold on. You know, he, uh, we, we talked. I gave the best answers I could. And he, uh, ultimately, he's like, he, wants to, uh, he wanted to borrow one of my Michael Brown books on answering Jewish objections. And so he borrowed the book. He gave me $20 as a deposit so he'd make sure to come back. <laughs> You ever had someone do that? I mean, I'm not kidding. I was joking with him. I said, hey, that's, number, that's volume number two. I need that back. My volume's incomplete. He goes, well, here's $20. I was going to give it to you. Just to, it gives me an incentive to bring the... So no, if, no, I can say this. He's a neurotic Los Angeles Jew. It was unbelievable. So, so you know, we're talking. And then we talked, you know, for another three hours. That, that, that next day he came, met Rabbi Chaim. And so the, but we has all these questions, and he wants to debate this and that. And come up with all the reasons, you know, why. The, he's like, yeah, I want to read Michael's book, and I'm going to want to give all my arguments against it. I said, well, why don't you maybe just consider that possibly there's some truth there? Anyways, this is what's going on. It's still going on, um, <laughs> which is great. But, you know, I, I can't help believe that at some point, okay, and, and you can equate that with whoever maybe you talk to, Jew or non-Jew, about God and the things of God. You can argue all day long, well, this isn't true, and here's how the Red Sea parted. It was just a wind, and maybe this is geologically how it could have happened, and how maybe, you know, this, that, and the other. If Yeshua walks through the door, argument's over, okay? Uh, It reminded me of a little cartoon. I want to show you this cartoon. I'm going to explain it for those who may be listening uh, on tape, but you can turn the lights off for a minute. Some of you may see it. Some of you have seen it, can't, can't see it. Uh, but I will describe it as two sailors. If you can get that bigger, maybe you can zoom it or something. There you go. That's much better. Yeah, that's much better. <laughs> maybe try the PDF or something. Uh, on the lower left, looks like you're magnified. So uh, you got two sailors in a bar. Right? Just leave it there for me. I'll, I would tell you the caption, and you can do the caption in a second. You got one old Navy guy on the left here, right? He's looking at this guy. He says, yeah. At the bottom, he says, you can scroll down to the text at the bottom. It says, it's a pretty good story, I guess. He says, I guess that ain't a bad story. But let me tell you about the time I lost this. And he's pointing to his peg leg. And if you notice the guy he's talking to has a peg head. Okay? So he wants to, he's all, yeah, let, let, me, let me tell you about when I lost this. And the guy's got a peg head, you know? Uh, you can turn the lights back on. So the reason I thought about that is like, it's ludicrous, isn't it? There's no need to talk about your peg leg when the guy's got a peg head, you know? Uh, you probably know this is Gary Larson, Far Side. Um, but likewise, I think, and this is why I thought of it, likewise, there's a limit to our need to argue theology or, or find points of grammar uh, if historically our faith is based on something that really happened. That really happens. It's, it's as silly as a peg leg guy uh, arguing with or trying to one-up the peg head guy. Okay? So with, with that in mind, the resurrection, right? Um, there's all kinds. Of, if, you, if you read about the resurrection, if you were to go home and, and Google that, and you know, part of my sort of story of, of, of coming to, to faith and, and believing Yeshua was the Messiah and all of this stuff was sort of you know, going home and studying on my own. But, you know, back then, there was no internet and Google and all that. I had you know, printouts from the library, and I was reading about, you know, 
all the different stuff and all that. But if you were to go and look up things about the, the resurrection, you'll see there's, you know, there's lots of, you know, people try to come up with reasons or explanations, I would say, rather, uh, as to, you know, to explain the resurrection. Well, maybe the whole thing's made up. Maybe Yeshua never really existed. Um, but, you know, we have historical evidence that he did. We have not just the biblical evidence, which anything in the Bible is credible because the Bible itself as a book of antiquity is very well supported and just as, as credible as many other books of, of ancient antiquity. Um, but Yeshua did exist. Most any, anybody, even people that don't believe in God, or Yeshua, will, will, will attest to that. Well, this whole thing about, you know, maybe crucifixion didn't exist or whatever. No, it was a known Roman uh, thing of execution. And then there were those who will say, well, maybe he really didn't die. He just, he just sort of, you know, passed out. Well, again, uh, you know, the soldiers were well-trained in killing people. They knew how to do it. Um, in fact, there was a pretty, they, had a pretty, they had a pretty good incentive. Some of you may have bonus programs at work, incentives, things. The incentive program for the soldiers is they would get a washing machine at the end of the year. Actually, their incentive was that if the prisoner didn't die, they'd be killed. So that was kind of their incentive. So believe me, he died. Um, and then there's, the, you know, the, the, well, maybe, maybe if he didn't die, he just kind of snuck out of the, t- the grave. Yeah, in that condition, I don't think he would have just, you know, ma- made the walk to Jerusalem with the two guys on the road who didn't notice he was beat up, bloodied, and all this kind of stuff. Uh, the body never showed up. Uh, all of his followers, you know, why would they have been martyred for a lie? Why, have they, why would they have stolen a body? To, I mean, there's all kinds of reasons. I won't, I won't necessarily get into that. The fact that he appeared to over 400 people that's recorded in the Bible, um, that's just the tip of the iceberg with regard to, you know, explanations. Um, I would recommend, if you haven't looked into that kind of stuff, I, I have a book, I've, looked, I've read this before. Um, this book's just one of many. This one's called The Case for the Resurrection by a guy named Lee Strobel, uh, who was a, an atheist, a skeptic, a journalist, uh, got a master's of law degree and went in to kind of prove from an, a, a legal as well as journalistic kind of perspective that this was all false. But just good actual, you know, just, just solid like evidence kind of stuff or, or at least give you the opportunity to see what, what could have happened and what is more likely to have happened. Um, because that's just the tip of the iceberg, but it's worth researching, and it's worth actually looking into some of these what I, that might even seem, seem like mundane arguments. It's worth looking into um, because it is such a fundamental uh, foundation of, of our faith and belief and why we would stand here. Again, as Paul was saying, if this isn't possible and if this didn't happen, then what do you all I mean, maybe you go sledding today or something. I don't know. I mean, why waste your time here this morning, Right? But it's worth research, and also because let's not, let's not ignore the fact that sometimes our beliefs are a bit of a kind of crazy sounding, aren't they? Maybe, well, maybe you're just fully comfortable, you know. I, I, I don't want to get on a soapbox here, but I find it kind of funny sometimes if within the body people argue about, you know, miraculous gifts. Well, I believe this, but I'm not going to go so far as to say God can do a miracle or speaking in tongues. Oh, but you have no problem with God coming as a human, dying and raising again. That's exactly what everybody believes, no matter what... <laughs> No matter what your belief about the, the, the miraculous gifts are, no one has a problem with, with God coming in flesh, being killed for sure, dead, and, and then raise, rising again. Okay. You know? So that's why I say you need to really know at least what you believe. It doesn't mean you're going to be able to explain all the mystery of the thing, but there's a difference between being able to explain your beliefs or understand why you believe, or what you believe Versus, I mean, heck, a lot of us, I mean, I believe my car works. I kind of know how it works, but 
I don't know all the details, but it works. Um, and in this case, you could explain your beliefs, but not necessarily the mystery of your beliefs. You give, give uh, room for God to be God. But if we, if we research these kind of things, and if we understand what we're, what we're professing to believe, this very foundational part of our faith, it gives us a couple things if we embrace it. Number one, I believe it does become somewhat of a, and I hate using this word, it's funny, a trump, a trump card for our belief. Um, not necessarily meaning that everybody we talk to or everybody we talk to about our beliefs is going to give up the argument, or my friend, who, or my soon-to-be friend, I guess, that I bought this car from, it's not that he's going to necessarily, I'm going to trump, trump him with that in the sense that he is going to then say, oh, you're right, and just believe everything. But it's a trump card, not just for that, but for yourself. Sometimes if, if you have a, a moment of, of doubt or, or what have you, your questions, it becomes a bit of your uh, trump card, a bit of your um, peghead story, if you will, right? It becomes a bit of the, the peghead for you when you have doubts or, or questions. That's the first thing that it becomes when you embrace the, the reality of the resurrection, the historical reality. And the second thing is that you understand that it's part of your power, part of your source for living in the here and now. And this is often minimized. You know, uh, Michael, it was read today that Yeshua is our first fruits. First fruit implies that there's something now. There's the barley harvest we showed up. I mean, that shows up now. And in fact, we're in that time right now. It's called the counting of the Omer, uh, the time between now and Shavuot, or Pentecost, as is commonly known. Um, but the idea is that, hey, we've got a little bit of barley harvest, and we know because we have this, we got more coming. But often, that just kind of becomes our overall picture of our faith, is that everything's terrible now, we're ridiculed now, there's pharaohs now, we're crazy people who believe in resurrection now, and everything, you know, and... and but it's coming one day. You know, that's what we're all waiting for. The, and quite honestly, that, that becomes what I believe is the, a caricature, uh, a belittling of, of the faith when it's all about the future. And it's all about the future. I mean, there's some horrible things been done in that respect. A lot of people have put up with all kinds of things. I mean, not to mention things like slavery and so forth. It's just because the future, it's going to be in the future. And that becomes very much a, a caricature of our faith that we're just waiting, we're just hoping we're just enduring until such time as we die, and then we're going to be with Yeshua, or until he comes back, right? And that becomes kind of a bit a caricature, but what about the in-between time, which is what we're right now in, on the calendar we're in right now? First fruits implies that there are some first fruits. There are fruits now, as well as there are going to be fruits later. Um, in, in your Torah tidbits, actually, this week, in the back of your bulletin, it's the same Torah tidbits as last week, talks a little bit about the counting of the Omer and first fruits. Um, we just don't want to forget that, that Yeshua was the first fruits of that. And first fruits, what it means is that there's some now and later as well. Um, let me turn over to John chapter 20. I'm going to read something else to you. John 20, verses 29 to 31. This is a bit about the, the now aspect. Uh, in, this, in this part of, of, of the Gospel of John, this is where, this is kind of, some people see this as the climax of the Gospel of John. And the context there is that Yeshua has rose and he has, he's been, he's, has, was seen by some of the disciples, but not all of them. And Thomas was not one of those. And so we all are familiar probably with the doubting Thomas and so forth. 
But the fact of the story of, of Thomas is it's not so much that, oh, you shouldn't doubt. It's the fact that this is evidence for the resurrection that he was able to put his finger in Yeshua's side and in, the, in, the, in his hands and so forth. That's really what the story is about. Um, but there's something else about the now, the living now aspect, I think, in this, in this, uh, this climax of, of John chapter 20 in verse 29 to 31. It says this. It says, Yeshua said to him, to Thomas, after Thomas saw him, he says, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed, i.e., assuming everyone in this room. Uh, and truly, Yeshua did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, the resurrection being one of them, so that you may believe that Yeshua is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that, believing, you may have life in his name. You may have life. Now, is some of that future life, eternal life? Yes. Is some of that current life? Yes. I think we don't want to ignore the fact of that current living as well. Similarly, in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, if you want to flip forward to that one, just one verse uh, in Romans. Romans 8, 11 says, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Yeshua from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Messiah from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies, through his spirit who dwells uh, in you. Again, same idea. There's a now and future aspect as well. So our faith and our belief in the resurrection um, is not about our talents and ability to simply hold on and endure until Yeshua comes. In other words, we don't want to just look at that and say, Yeshua rose, he is risen indeed, therefore I'm just going to hang on here for dear life because he's coming back. That's not, that's not necessarily what it's about. Um, it's about the power to live in the here and now. We all need that. I, um, I lived in southern Virginia for many years. This is not northern Virginia, but southern Virginia. And a um, very beautiful part of the country. And there's a lot of rivers around there. And we, you can go uh, tubing. I don't know if anyone's gone tubing before. But um, you go tubing down a river, a nice little river, you know, tubing down the river. And you might have a little inner tube for yourself and maybe another one for uh, your partner, which is a cooler with some uh, sodas in there, um, <laughs> things like that. And uh, so I had a buddy that told me a story. Now, I wasn't with him this day, but he was tubing. And he was going down, and he said, all of a sudden, he, he kind of plopped out. He came out of his tube, and he said, the current, he was kind of near the bank, and he said, man, it didn't look that swift, but the current was pretty swift. And not only swift, he just, he just seemed to, he couldn't, like, this is a, he couldn't keep his head above the water. And this is, you know, this is, this guy was a, he was a phys ed major, an actual phys ed major. And uh, he wasn't, he was an athlete, but he was, I, I just, he was telling me the story. And he said, I, I, I just, I was going further and further. I just kept trying to get my footing, trying to get over to the bank, trying to get my head above. And he goes, he said, I, I just couldn't. Um, he had come to the end of his physical abilities. I mean, that was, that was it. He's like, I, I just realized, and he said, I just said, I won't say what he said, but he said, I, I gave up. And, uh. You know, and you hear, I mean, he's talking to me, so I was a little, I was nervous, but thinking, okay, I'm talking to you, so it's not a bad thing. But he said, in just, just that moment when he just said, that's it, you know, just gave up, came at the end of his physical abilities, he just was miraculously just buoyed, just enough, he said, just to, where he, he just gave a little more then and got a hold of the bank, and, and he, he made it. And he lives today. And, you know, that, that same picture, I believe, exists for us uh, in a spiritual sense, you know. Until, until we come to the end of ourselves, no matter how strong, no matter how gifted we are, 
we need that, that booing. We need that, that booing, and that's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Colossians 1.29 says that Him we preach, warning every person and teaching every person in all wisdom that we may present everyone perfect in the Messiah Yeshua. He said, To this end I also labor, struggling with all His energy that worketh mightily in me. And I read that verse several times, and I realized that the typical thing you say, you say, man, I was working so hard yesterday. Man, I gave it everything I had. I, I was working so hard with all my strength, with all my energy. It, it, Paul says it actually kind of the opposite. It turns that on its head here. He says, I work with all, and it says it real specifically. If you, re, if you read it in the original language, the same thing. It says, his might. I work with all of his might, you know, that works, or his, his spirit, actually, his energy that works in me. It's, it's, throw, it's turning it on its head. It's not about working with all of our might, necessarily, but all of his might. Otherwise, we're just, uh, um, as I mentioned this morning in our prayer time, legalistic, we're just living uh, kind of religion, uh, mitzvot, things that aren't necessarily bad on their own, but if that's all they are, just good deeds and trying to live righteous lives and be good people, if that's it, living on that power, that's all we've got. And again, we're burnt matzah at that point. <laughs> so as we, as we remember and we think about, hopefully you think about the resurrection today, maybe more than just once a year, let's remember that it is, it is our, our go-to card, our trump card. It is a foundation of our faith that gives us a solid hope for the future, yes, but also the power to live today. And if you're, if you're here today, maybe you're wondering about this whole thing. You are wondering, yeah, there are some crazy beliefs. This is, you know, Yeshua came and died and rose again and so forth. I want you to ask God, you know, uh, and this is what I asked this guy I bought the car from, and he still wasn't even sure that it was, it was according to the Torah to ask God for something, but I believe it is. Um, that you ask God, you know, whether, to show you whether or not this is true. Because if it's true, again, you, you got the peghead story in a sense, you know, uh, if it's true. But if not, you've got to decide, are, are those of, of, of us who, who believe, are, are we just deluded, uh, fooling ourselves, like Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians? Are we um, just confused or misled? Are all these congregations, the building we're sitting in, the 3,000 people that are going to come here tomorrow, are they just all crazy? Are all the seminaries around the world uh, just, you know, they exist on a lie? Or did something actually happen? Was there an actual event that actually happened? Namely, that Yeshua... Uh, according to God's plan of salvation, came and died and, 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 more importantly, rose again. So are we missing something or are you missing something? And I say, ask God for the answer. You know, it says, if you ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock, and the door shall be open to you. So let's pray. Lord, I want to just thank you for the awesome privilege and opportunity that we have and that you've given us to live by the power of your Spirit. We thank you for the atoning sacrifice, Lord, that you provided and gave of yourself on our behalf. We thank you, Lord, that it's not the end of the story, that you did rise again and that you live today and that by virtue of that, Lord, that you provide the power for us to live today and forever. Lord, I ask that you make that reality of your resurrection just front and center for each person here. I pray, Lord, that if anyone is struggling with accepting this most amazing miracle, Lord, and this foundational piece of our faith, Lord, I pray that today that you would, uh, that would be the day they would come to you and they would humbly open their hearts and their minds to the possibility that this just might be true. So we pray these things in your name, Lord, in Yeshua's name. Amen.